Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. Bobby, G and I are excited to be with you today. We are actually going to be concluding the book of 1 Timothy, looking at chapter 6. And uh, as we look at the chapter, again, lots of practical steps to Christian living. Yeah. And it's always focused in keeping Christ at the center of it. So super helpful. Yes. Yeah, so let's dive in. The first couple of chap- first couple of verses that you'll read are referencing, again, relationships. And so mm. you've kind of... You, You've kind of noticed that in in First Timothy, specifically the last couple of chapters, is how we walk in relationship, whether it's husbands and wives, whether it's within the church, whether it's mentors and mentees, and now um, now we read about how we treat each other with full respect, specifically within this relationship of slaves and masters, mm. and the reason why that's so pivotal, Paul's trying to help us understand that when we treat each other as image bearers and as maybe the Bible would have us, not maybe definitely as the Bible would have us treat each other, we can win people for the kingdom of God. Absolutely. And so that's one of those things I think that as it plays out in everyday life, that just makes sense. It's kind of like the golden rule. um, As you look at like Christian living, that's, you know, maybe you've heard this or you've said this, but like, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. And that's essentially what Paul's saying, like have, have a respect um, in your relationship with each other. And Paul says this mm-hmm. in in Titus and in the book of Ephesians as well. This isn't just kind of like a one-off um, of instruction. You know, it's a, another biblical theme. Like when you're uh, in Christ. Especially like Philemon. That's like the book that he probably oh, most yeah. clearly like speaks to this these couple of verses. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so the Bible speaks against taking advantage of of all kinds of things, people's times, people's funds, and, and people themselves. Mm-hmm. And so definitely with this idea um, but, that he's... Yeah, I, I'm saying I like what you said though about like winning people over to Christ with your behavior because that's what people are watching. They want to see like yeah. is there an alignment of your believing and your behaving, your your life and what you think. Yeah, and sometimes people might not believe in Christianity yet or not even read the Bible, but the lifestyle in which you live is so winsome. Yeah, because it's like lifting up other people and blessing and not taking and right. giving and um. I think that that's a really that's a really crucial point, especially in th- before we move on, especially in this scenario. So whether it was servants or slaves, because sometimes mm. culture will give you permission to do things where the Bible is actually speaking a, about a higher way or a better way. And so I think about that in our cultural moment, too, where there's things that are acceptable across the board. And yeah. just like now at this time, too. Um, whether it was all your sex ethic, whether it was how you um, submitted or didn't submit in your marriage, all kinds of different ways that were 100% permissible. And so to live under higher authority hmm. that says, no, this is how we treat each other, even people who you know <laughs> don't have the same status as yeah. me in the culture, I think that's, a, that's, that's kind of what I think, too, at. There, we did a Q&A at Young Adults uh, the other week, mm-hmm. and one of the questions that was brought up was the, one of the people there was really, truly falling in love with Jesus. Like, I love Jesus. I love his gospel. I love the teaching of the Bible. I want this. But... Basically, how do I cut ties with my past and specifically yeah. the relationships of the past? And hmm. the the panel encouraged this person to say, hey, as you talk to them and explain why you're not doing the things you used to do, look at yourself and say, like, here's who I was, here's who I want to be, and here's who I'm becoming because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You don't have to point the finger at them and tell them, you know, this, this is your fault and this is what you're doing wrong. 
just say, here's how I'm changing because there's a correlation between what I'm learning to think about and believe in my heart and how I'm living mm. my life. And hopefully, again, that's winsome to mm-hmm. them. If you keep going, it transitions to talk about like teachers, specifically false teachers, and their love of money. And again, there's a correlation yeah. between our believing and our behaving, our doctrine and our life lived, and people can see hypocrisy and a disconnect. Yeah. And you've <laughs> talked about that before, too, like how that was really confusing for you as a, a little girl, but how it was also formative for you to be like, I don't necessarily know if I want that in my life. Yeah. And this is what the next couple of verses get at. Verse 3, it says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, constant friction between people and a corrupt mind, who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a mean to financial gain. Hmm. And so two times in, in Paul's writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and also here in 1 Timothy 6, he's addressing this specific issue. Hmm. And again, there's been scandals in the church, which breaks my heart. And uh, whenever time, anytime money is misused, it, it really does take away the legitimacy of, of a ministry hmm. in the eyes of the world looking at the church. Yeah. Um, when this happens, though, here's another good word from my friend Mariano. Someone was talking about a Christian leader who had made a bad decision sure. and how it led them to want to fall away from the faith and the church. Hmm. And his word there is, your relationship to God is not through a pastor. It's not through a priest. It's not through your small group leader, an elder, or anybody else. You have direct access to God. So people are going to yeah. make mistakes. There are leaders who are going to mishandle funds. It's not okay. We don't want to do it. But our encouragement to you is if something has happened to you in the church, and there has been false teaching, uh, don't allow that to disconnect you from the Lord. Say, this is wrong, you address it. But you still find another godly community yeah. and godly people within the church that want to follow Jesus. When you look at verse 3, and there's that word sound, yeah. sound doctrine, uh, sound instruction, sound teaching, depending on the translation you have. Mm-hmm. That word sound is often translated healthy, and is where we get the word hygiene hmm. from. And in, in terms of that, it's talking about just a healthy, balanced, taking care of life yeah so just as we hopefully take care of our bodies saying take care of your belief system take care of your worldview take care of mm-hmm. your mind and what you think about these kind of things because as you do pay attention to these things and are reflective and pray repent and meditate um, there's going to be a, a continual realignment when we get off course back to the way of jesus and that's yeah. that's the holy spirit's role say hey this was not sound it's not healthy Come back to where Christ is at and to what Christ is doing. Yeah. And the Spirit's working. And so the false teachers here are teaching some kind of morality, some kind of good thing that yeah. might appear to be good to the eye, but is actually not helpful and not the way of Jesus. And so I, I just remember, um, I think I was flying back to the Midwest for seminary, and I was sitting by a guy on a plane, and he was actually doing a layover, maybe it was in Chicago. And he was heading to Fiji. And I was like, why are you going to Fiji? He's like, I'm going to this conference for this guy. He's a, he was a, a prosperity teacher, a self-improvement. Like, you can do this motivational speaker. Okay, yeah. And this guy was all in so much where he was spending tens of thousands of dollars to fly across the world. Right. He's like, this is my third conference. It's going to be awesome. I'm like, well, one, you get to hang out in Fiji, so that's pretty cool. But two, why are you giving so much money and time to this yeah. when this is not satisfying your greatest need? Because... The guy kept saying, I kept coming back. I got to keep right. coming back. I got to keep coming back. 
It's like, cause it's not satisfying. Yeah. It's not, it's not scratching the itch. It's mm-hmm. not fulfilling your greatest need. Yeah. And, uh, and only Jesus can do that. Yeah. So regardless of how uh, charismatic and catchy a teaching might be, if it's not centered on Christ, and it's not sound and it's healthy in terms of how the church has handled it for thousands of years. I would say, yeah, find a new church, find a new community. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why too, like I'm so grateful for the capital church C because some people, that's another question that maybe young adults or other people are wrestling with is like, why do we even need to step in? You know, if, if we're just messed up and these people are making bad decisions because we have this disillusionment that the church should be, you know, perfect right yeah. now when it's actually, no, it's, it's an imperfect people walking together yep. at, out with the Holy Spirit, this sanctification process. So yep. let's. Anyway, that that's a different time. But um, part of the reason why you need it is because, like you said, Holy Spirit will prompt moments or voices or encouragements or maybe convictions from people to m- turn back to the scripture. Mm-hmm. Turn back. I just think about the the church, the Bereans in yeah. the Book of Acts, and all these people who really studied and, and upheld the Word of God. And so we need each other b- mm-hmm. so that way we can point each other to, toward Christ. And really the the biggest pointer for us within the church and guideline is what Paul's laying out in the book of Timothy is, is scripture. Come mm-hmm. back to scripture, you know, band together in the church, fight for unity, um, but stand on the scriptures. And so one right after we're reading about this, how there's discontentment and there's greed within false teachers, uh, Paul is telling us and charging us to be content. Mm. So this is what verses 6, 7, and 8 sound like. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Mm. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I'll continue because it's really good for verse 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin mm. and destruction and then you probably have heard some kind of version of this. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves for many griefs. I think one of the main reasons for that is because so badly we want, whether it's status or belonging or independence, but we want something other than God or the way of yeah. God. And so there's this, con- the, the gift of contentment that God gives is actually so hugely important <laughs> because not only does it keep us, Um, not only does it keep us nearer to him, but Mm -hmm. it also keeps us walking um, humbly and dependent. So right now, especially in our world with where we live in the Western context, it's all, I mean, the, since the early 1900s, it's all been about like the, the American dream of like becoming, raising up your own kingdom, whether that means buying land, whether that means moving up the company's ladder, it's all about you and your status and what you're doing and where you're going. Whereas the way of Jesus is is actually calling us to a radically different life. Service and in and that life, yeah. there is the gift of freedom in contentment. And so mm. right now, mm. too, you probably hear a lot of language about minimalism. That's like that's kind of been another cultural push the last like decade, maybe, whether it's um, the things that you have or even minimalism in like um, your technology and your devices. I mean, I. I'm attracted to some of these things. I think that their 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 purpose is, you know, to declutter your life. And yeah, which we all could use. And it's funny though because that's so. It's there. These people aren't referencing the Bible. This is just a secular movement. But it's biblical mm-hmm. that we live simply before the Lord. I mean, verse eight literally just says, "If you have food and clothing, be yeah, content." Yeah, you'll be with okay. That. The essentials. <laughs> so I, I maybe you can fact check me here. I might be okay. wrong, so you can fact check me as well. I saw a highlight of a TED talk. And usually TED Talks are 
pretty smart, accurate people sure. when it comes to yeah. like what they're talking about. The m- person was talking about the uh, the brain and how the part of your brain that um, reacts when anxiety is experienced okay. is also the same part of the brain that you need to use when you express gratitude. And so mm-hmm. the, guy, the point of the talk, which I haven't looked this up yet, but it's actually a fascinating thought, is you can't be both at the right. same time. And so oftentimes mm. I feel like underlying anxiety, if it's not just simply like a chemical thing, like where scientifically sure. something's off in your body and it deals with what you're thinking, it's often fearful and yeah. and it's uh, things that are out of our control. And mm. sometimes it might be a, a situation we wish was different or something we wish we had or some kind of change in status or whatever it is, just hoping something goes well. Sure. Whereas when you shift the mindset to like being grateful and, and um, the the point of this non-Christian was like, I think that if you m- express more gratitude, you might see a, a decrease in your anxiety levels if it's not medical. So interesting. I got to look this up. But anyways, I'm like, huh, because I'm thinking through how do you be content? Yeah. Like uh, practically like, OK, mom and dad, right. I want to be content. What do I what does that look like? Mm-hmm. I think, well, that contentment is going back as Christians to who Christ is and yeah. what he's done. And then from there is looking at like what Christ has accomplished in for the world, but for us as individuals even, mm-hmm. and resting in that. And then from there, you again, I've said this a million times, and I'll say it 20 million more. A million more. more. A million more. <laughs> you receive God's love because he first loved you, and then you love him back. And then after that, you have something to offer the world. And that's like the motivation for why we do what we do. Yeah. And I think that's like where that contentment can come from is just, again, like, I don't know, what would you add to that? How does one practically become content? Um, well, I think in my own life, how it's played out is I think exercising gratitude definitely, Mm. um, competes with that. I think another way though, is we, so some of the truths that we believe from society, like I was mentioning about how like you need to achieve, because it doesn't even, this doesn't even need to be your material possessions when it comes to contentment, right? It can be, um, your worth and your status. It can be all of these things. And so so much of what we have come to believe is, you know, that you have to, you've got to grind and you've got to work and you've got to get there and you've got to, and, and really some of these things, like we're talking about, they're not, they're not bad things, but when that becomes everything, when that becomes like when my image, when who, hmm. when who I'm portraying myself to be, when the things that I have, the brands that I wear become too much of an issue and so why I'm getting there is because uh, that's all about me and my own kingdom, where I think the word that I assimilate most with contentment is dependence. So my, hmm. when, when I, if I uh, never heard that, yeah, well, I just think about when I'm striving for independence, well, then all the pressure's on me. And I, I definitely want to get to these sales and get this stuff or whatever it is, or I want my kids to look a certain way, or I, all the examples that I've already mentioned, yeah, I got you. but when I'm realizing because we talk we speak a lot about this too that like you know you guys want to live a balanced life you know you need to have this and um but you also need you need to have self-care but you also need to have service you need to have all these different things where really the call that paul's talking about here is zero balance it is a hundred percent dependence and when i realize that i have nothing to offer in fact jesus even says apart from me you can do nothing when the when the vine and the branches in john so when i realize that and I bring myself back to the Lord who fills me in the Holy mm. Spirit. Or rather, let me even rephrase that. When I when I allow myself to receive, 
like you're saying, and, yeah. and understand that I am 100% dependent. Um, it's not my own works. It's not my own image. It's not my yeah. own ability to do things. Um, it's actually the Holy Spirit in me. Well, then I, I actually have peace and I have great contentment because there's nothing I have to prove. Yeah, and so which, I think that's another yeah, which is good. I think to too, look when it. you look at like verse ten, this is one of the more uh, misunderstood verses in the Bible. Sure. And I'm going to tie it in with what you just right. said. It says, yeah. "For the love of money uh, is a root is a root of all evil." Right. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith mm-hmm. and uh, pierced themselves with many griefs. And so note here, money is not the root of all evil. It says the right. love of money is a root of evil. Money in itself is not bad, just like anything else in this world. Right. It's how do you use it? And so um, I was talking to a buddy of mine recently who, who just kind of revealed to me that there seems to be a correlation between coveting and the departure of, of one from the faith. If you look at someone mm-hmm. who's not showing up to church, not in group, doesn't mean they're not saved, but that it probably means they're not grown in Christ as like God wants them to optimally because you need the church, you need community, you need brothers and sisters, you need the word. Um, you need corporate worship and mm. he was gone. And then when I find out why it's because there's a desire for something else, whether it's pleasure or it's yeah. money. And oftentimes it's overworking. I know some people you might be listening and you got two or three jobs because you have to I commend you for like your hard work. But some people are doing it just so they can buy more stuff right. and look a certain way or have their family appear in a certain light. And I think there's a correlation between covetousness, coveting, and a departure from the faith. And I think that's what he's getting at here. There's false yeah. teaching there. So when he comes down now, he transitions because Paul wants to charge Timothy saying, young man, here's what you need to do. Yeah. This is what he says in verse 11. He says, you man of God, flee from all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, lo- faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. When that word flee comes up, it's not like saying, hey, just like tiptoe around it. Yeah. It's saying turn around and run the other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word that comes to my mind is renounce. Because renounce is not only saying no, I'm done with this. It's saying, not only am I done with this, I'm going to turn around and I'm running the other way, Yeah. which is a perfect picture of repentance again. I'm turning around. I'm going the other way. I'm saying yep. no to this. I'm saying yes to this. Yep. So no to greed and this false teaching and saying yes to Jesus, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and righteousness. Mm-hmm. Then verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That word fight there too used is also referring to athletic contests like contending not like physical like i'm gonna punch you in the face it's talking like the wrestling (laughs) matches is what they would have had in mind um grappling with things contending wrestling yeah and that's something that that we're called to Mm -hmm. it's a training it's that marathon yeah it's the runner who's running the race that you know that you gotta get the prize yeah is what he's getting at uh, as we finish and continue to look toward the end, Paul's directing us here in verses 13 through 16 just to continue to focus and put our sight back on God mm. and remember who Jesus was and what he's done and how he lived, how he ran the race, how he finished it, how he stood, how he fought. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of those things that at the end of so many chapters in the gospel, it's like, okay, remember who, who Jesus is. Remember what he's done. Remember... Um, how we're called to live, yes, unto each other, to you know, I- as the body of Christ, but really unto the Lord as we yeah. walk together. And so that's one of those things, too. Did you have something that you wanted to bring up? There's like a story. Yeah, in there, I, I was just thinking um, about a conversation I had recently with someone who quit a job in which they were making, Yeah. Uh, it was like a quarter of a million dollars a year or something like that. 
a guy not much older than me, killing it. And he just felt the Lord like called him to quit his job and follow Jesus and invest in, like in Hollywood. Like that's where he's supposed to pour his heart out into is like yeah. downtown LA and Hollywood. And he has been become connected with other missionaries, many of who are sent to America. Because oftentimes when we think of missionaries, we think about people that like maybe look like us or from our church that we send to other countries, other places or, in the world. Yeah. And here there are tons of missionaries coming to the United States to teach us about Jesus. And he said some of these missionaries that he's been connected to are falling off the map. And as they go back to their, their cohorts, really, to hold each other accountable and yeah. pray for each other, like, what's the cause? And it's comfort. Hmm. It's like more than a government uh, harassing or tyrannical rulers yeah. coming down on your like your faith. Mm-hmm. It's the comfortability of America that often takes people out the game and puts them on the sideline. And so here, it's like, okay, what do we do? Because money itself is not bad. You can yep. use money for right. good. Money is necessary to turn the lights on at your church and pay youth leaders to love your kids and to send people to other places to speak Jesus and dig wells so people can have water and all these things is needed. So this is what he says in verse 17 now. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Hmm. And again, God's telling us, that he's given us everything that we need. It might not necessarily be everything we want, but it's everything that we need. Yeah. And so if you have wealth and you know how to accumulate wealth, fantastic. Like use that for the glory of God. I know many yeah. people who do. Yep. That's been good. And then going back to contentment, it's good. Every Thanksgiving, Grandpa Corver always told the story of these kids going to this lady's house. And the lady had, you know, a boat and a cabin and a second house and many cars and and they would always come over for tea time with her or whatever. And so she was really stressed out checking the balance of the checkbook and how am I going to pay for all these things. And the kids came in, and they were just really excited to get to have tea with their neighbor. And the, the teacups and the plates, they were chipped and cracked, and the lady thought nothing of them. But the kids looked at them like just so blown away because they said, look at the spoons and the plates. They match. And look at the, the cup. It matches the, the bowl. Like this is the most – awesome fancy, tea party yeah. and fancy <laughs> thing I've ever seen. The kids were blown away hmm. at the magnitude of like this fancy tea party. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment that lady just began to realize like, I'm stressing out over a bunch of things that aren't that important. And here I have two kids right here who are beautiful. I want to tell them about Jesus and enjoy and be content with what I have. That mm-hmm. comes to my mind. Yeah. But yeah, you can close this up with verses like 18 through 20, 21. Let's do it. Sounds like this. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. (laughs) Sounds like such a basic (laughs) thing. In this way, we will lay up treasure for ourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of this life that is truly Mm -hmm. life. And then verse 20, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, Hmm. which some have professed and in doing so have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. So just ending there with really practical, good examples. You know, share what you have. Live in community. Step away from godless chatter. I love um, guard what has been entrusted to your care. There's, you know, whether it's uh, in your mind's eye, whether it's a little or a lot, there's there's things that God has given you as gifts. And there's ways that God is cultivating you as fruit that are going to be the fruit of the Spirit. 
that he wants to use you in that are specific and unique to you. And so this call to entrust not only the people that are um, to, you're entrusted with, not only this message of the gospel and not only the people in your life, but even the ways that God has made you and that he is cultivating you mm. um, to use those and steward those things in a way that's worthy of the gospel that Paul's kind of leaving Timothy with here. So when we think about that, what does that actually look like in our lives? Because the Bible is super um, clear on some of these things. And so we do a Bible study and, you know, we feel good about it or we feel challenged about it. And then we close our Bible and we go to work or we close our Bible and we go back, you know, after lunch mm. break or whatever it is. Um, so talk about this around your table. Talk about this with your roommate um, in your uh, small group, your D group, yeah, whatever, whatever it, it looks is. like. What are these things in your life that maybe you need to step away from and surrender unto the Lord? And what are these things that you've been entrusted with that you actually need to step into, Take that you need to of. hold on to? Yeah. Um, what a good book, First Timothy. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to be back again tomorrow. Second Timothy, here we go. <laughs> it's going to be great. God bless you guys wherever you're at. See ya. Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.